Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. My name is Zach. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. There's a lot of really cool 316 verses in the Bible, but we're located right off of Highway 316. So if you're local, if you're listening on the local dial, check us out. Our website, church website, is calvary316.com.tv.net.org. Just Google us. You'll find us. I do hope, regardless of where you're listening, that you stay with me over the next hour or so as we talk about Christmas. I love Christmas. I love this time of the year. December, it starts to get cold. And yet, if you're like me, you probably find it difficult uh, when you see the competing themes of the Christmas season. I mean, there, there, there appears to be kind of a disconnect, right? Between the humble story of Jesus's birth and the commercialized, superficial juggernaut that Christmas and America has become. I mean, on one side of the street, the Christmas street, you've got jolly old St. Nick, evergreen trees, reindeers, eggnog, elf, mistletoe. On the other side of the street, you have such a contrast, right? A humble baby Jesus in a manger. Mary and Joseph, a stable, a manger, shepherds. The the competing themes. Now, we're going to talk today about Christmas. We're going to kind of talk about the history of Christmas. I I do want to add just a very quick disclaimer uh, out of respect. If, If you and your family, if you have kids and they believe that Santa Claus is real, if that's something that, that you've chosen to do with your family, uh, this might not be uh, the, the episode that you want little kids listening to in the car. So just kind of as a courtesy, if if you do the whole Santa Claus thing, uh, at some point later on in the episode, when I talk a little bit about good old St. Nick, you might want to change, change the dial. Uh, and that's just pure, uh, no judgment, pure courtesy. Uh, but I do hope that you stay with us. In America, specifically, kind of specific to America, like there's no doubt, like it, it would take it would take a moron, a hermit, not to see that Christmas, Christmas has really become a cultural phenomenon. I, I was doing some some prep work for this particular episode, and I was astounded by the statistics. This year, ninety five percent of all Americans. It doesn't matter uh, your 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 origin, your 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 you know where you were born, your ethnicity, uh, your social economic status. It, it, like none of these things matter if you're religious or non-religious. Like ninety-five percent of all Americans, regardless of creed or language or whatnot, will celebrate Christmas. Ninety-three percent of of all Americans will participate in Christmas. By exchanging gifts. 95 will celebrate. 93% will participate by giving gifts. 88% of Americans will put up a Christmas tree in their homes. I honestly think that that number would probably be higher. I know a lot of people that that travel out of town for Christmas. Uh, They don't have kids yet, and so they go to their parents, and so they don't bother with a tree because they're out of town kind of for 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 the whole week. Uh, I think that number would be even higher, but still 88%. That's that's amazing. 74% of Americans will attend at least one Christmas party this year. 65% of Americans will sit in on a religious service of some kind. And it's because of all of this, that, that Christmas is a cultural phenomenon in America, that there's no doubt. It has become, Christmas has become Big business. Big business. This year, America, as an estimate, will produce 1.76 billion candy canes. That's a lot of sugar. An amazing 20 billion, billion with a B, letters, packages, and cards will be delivered between Thanksgiving and Christmas. UPS estimates that they'll ship 630 million packages by itself. That's actually a bit of an old stat. I bet you that number's even higher with the emergence of, of Amazon. The, the weeks leading up to Christmas are 
are considered without a doubt the biggest shopping season of the year. Consumer Reports estimates that purchases during this time, the Christmas season, account for, check this out, one-sixth of all retail sales. Here's a fact. In December, spending on Christmas gifts surpasses spending on food by six times. And the U.S. retail sales for this month alone will be larger than the, the GDP of 181 countries. <laughs> that's that's amazing. According to the National Retail Federation, each family in America is planning to spend, on average, $805 for gifts this Christmas. And, and while Christmas is both a cultural phenomenon and, as a result, big business, we should also point out that as a result of the growing commercialization of Christmas, this religious holiday has ironically become gradually less and less religious. Once again, you look around at a bit of that, that, the dichotomy. It's supposed to be a religious holiday, but there's not much religion. Christmas has gradually become less and less associated with Christianity and the birth of Christ. Other stories have supplanted the original. In a 2010 survey that was commissioned by the Children's Society found that only 10% of adults think that religious meaning is the most important thing about Christmas. And if, and if that's not bad enough, 51% of Americans agree with, with this statement. The birth of Jesus is not relevant. To my Christmas. For years and years and years, I taught a release time Bible class for a local high school. It was an accredited class. The kids were released from school, walked over to a local church where we hosted the class. And, and I taught them the Bible. Such a sweet ministry, such a cool thing. I'm still honored to be a part of it today, uh, though I don't specifically teach the class. And yet, a few years ago, and most of my class were, they were all non-believers. Millennials. Like, I, I, I wanted to know a few things about how they thought about, about Christmas, so I, I ran an experiment. I asked a group of 42 high schoolers, the majority of which were all pagan, what one thing they immediately thought of when I said the word Christmas. So it was, it was a word association game. This is what I found. 82% of my class, of these 42 students, thought of traditional Christmas items. When I said Christmas, immediately 82% thought of things like Santa Claus, Christmas trees, presents, lights, etc. But what shocked me, and it really shouldn't have been much of a shock, is that 16%, only 16% associated Christmas with religious themes like Jesus, God, or Christ. Sadly, of 42 students, not one, not one, when I said, what do you immediately think of when I say the word Christmas? Not one student said they thought of Mary, Joseph, the stable, wise men, the shepherds, not one. Like statistics really do reveal a sobering reality that we as Christians, we need to come to terms with the truth is that all, although most Americans overwhelmingly support Christmas, the way that we celebrate this holiday, if we're honest, has very little to do with Jesus' birth. A few years back, uh, I was flipping through the channels, landed on Fox News, and, and there was a debate that was happening a debate between the former Rhode Island governor, Lincoln Chafee, who was insisting at the time on calling the Christmas tree in the state capitol a holiday tree. If, if you remember, these things were, were hot-button topics a few years back. But Bill O'Reilly, who was the other half of this argument, he was, he was adamant that a Christmas tree should be called a Christmas tree. And that calling it a Christmas tree was not a religious intrusion on the state, as Lincoln Chafee was arguing, because, and I quote, 
A Christmas tree is a secular symbol. It's not a symbol of religion. It has nothing to do with religion. <laughs> and while admittedly, that 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 does seem to be a bit of kind of a bizarre argument coming from a man, you know, who warns constantly of the growing war on Christmas, writing books about it and whatnot. The truth is that Bill O'Reilly's argument is 100% correct. A Christmas tree is not an intrusion on the state. It's not a religious intrusion because a Christmas tree isn't a symbol of religion at all. Like, I, I hate to break it to you, but a Christmas tree has really absolutely nothing to do with Jesus' birth. The reality and so many of us don't don't want to be honest about it, but if you really examine the history of Christmas, what you're going to discover is that that this holiday that we celebrate really has has little to do with religion and has very little to do with the birth of Christ. Now, in order to unpack this point, like I want to I want to examine in this episode the history of Christmas, but I want to do it in 3 phases. First, and this point might sound controversial, but stay with me. Christmas isn't a biblical concept. It's not in any regards. Now, it's true that the events of Jesus's birth are indeed documented in the Gospels. They're documented in the Bible. But that being said, keep in mind, the celebration of, of Christmas or the celebration of Jesus' birth was never something mandated. Like you can you can study the Bible and you're never gonna find a command or a designated feast celebrating the birth of Christ. You're not gonna find it anywhere in Scripture. Like here's some truth. Half of the gospel writers the Gospel of Mark and John, they don't even mention the events of Jesus' birth. You're only going to find any mention of the events of Jesus' birth in Matthew and Luke. Half the Gospels don't even find it significant enough to write about it. Two, Jesus, he never once spoke of his birth. Nor did he ever ask his followers to observe his birth or that his birth should be revered. Now, I'm not saying that the incarnation isn't an incredible event. It sure is, but it's never mandated to be celebrated. Beyond that, there's no record, no record at all of the apostolic church, the first church, the early church, early church fathers or writers viewing Jesus's birth as cause for celebration. You don't find Christmas or a reference to celebrating the birth of Christ anywhere in the book of Acts. You have no mention of Jesus' birth in any of the Pauline epistles. The church fathers never mention Christmas, nor do they ever describe gathering as believers to recognize the events of you know, of that evening, of that special evening. Like, so the first point that, that you need to understand as you seek to try to unpack Christmas is, is you've got to be honest. You got to be honest that Christmas is not a biblical idea. Half the gospel writers don't mention it. Jesus never spoke about it, never said that we were to observe it. No record of the apostolic church seeing his birth is cause for celebration. It's not mentioned in the book of Acts. Paul never writes about it. There's no mention of Christmas by the early church fathers. So with that being said, how is it that Christmas came to be? If it's not a significant biblical idea in the sense of celebrating Jesus' birth, then why is it this major Christian holiday? Probably, you would say, aside from Easter, the most significant. And to answer that question, don't go anywhere. Come back. We'll pick up this thought more here on the Outlaw Radio Show. 
One of the missions of Outlaw Radio is to bring your attention to ministry resources that will benefit your personal study of the Bible and spiritual growth. With this in mind, we want you to check out Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Not only is their vision to help the thinker believe, but they exist to help the believer think. To accomplish both of these aims, their website, rzim.org, is filled with tons of free resources aimed at not only answering your own difficult questions, but with the intention of providing the necessary tools to defend your faith in an ever-growing hostile world. Once again, you can learn more about Ravi Zacharias International Ministries by visiting rzim.org. That's rzim.org. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. We're talking about Christmas. And if you were with us in the first block, uh, I might be coming across a bit of a Scrooge, a a bit of a fuddy-duddy. Full disclosure, I absolutely love Christmas. I love this time of the year. I love the seasons, the Christmas season, eggnog, a fire in the fireplace, my family, uh, the day after Thanksgiving. My wife, Jessica, and I, we take the boys, we go buy a Christmas tree, a real Christmas tree. None of this uh, artificial fake stuff. We spend the day listening to Christmas music, decorating the tree, putting lights on. We love Christmas. Our church, we decorate the church for the Christmas season. We love to go Christmas caroling in our neighborhood. We embrace the Christmas season. We give presents and we get presents and we get together with family and we sing songs. I love Christmas, but, but we need to be honest. We need to be honest as Christians that when you really do examine the history, Christmas has very little to do with Jesus or his birth. Now it can, but generally speaking, it doesn't. And first in our last block, we talked about how Christmas really isn't a biblical concept, but I want to take the next block here and I want to talk about how Christmas has come to be, what it is today, which really leads to the second point, three phases, unpacking the history of Christmas. It's not a biblical idea, but Christmas originally was a progressive idea. Now, for a lot of my conservative friends, uh, that's going to ruffle your feathers, but, but, but be honest, historically, by the year 350, Christianity had spread to dominate so much of the known world that under Constantine, Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire. It gave the church immediate and incredible power and cultural influences. That being said, one of the biggest issues then challenging this, this new state church was pagan celebrations, specifically pagan celebrations that coincided with the winter solace. Almost every culture in the world has some form of celebration surrounding the winter solace. In Scandinavia, the sun would disappear for a few weeks during the heart of winter. When the first light was finally then seen on the horizon, they had a festival The festival was called the Yuletide. Now, in order to commemorate the Yuletide, this event, people, this is what they would do. They would tie apples to the branches of trees to remind themselves that spring and summer would soon return. Germany had a a similar celebration. People believed that winter came every year because the sun god had become sick. These mythological uh, kind of ideas. Therefore, the solstice was was a celebration because the first light indicated that the sun god was feeling better. Once again, to mark that occasion, in Germany, evergreen trees would be cut down and brought into the homes to remind the children that green plants would soon be growing again. In Rome, they celebrate. They had a celebration known as the Saturnalia. It was, a, it was a week-long period around the solstice of lawlessness. It was known for intoxication, sexual license. It was kind of a perverted, week-long type of Mardi Gras. Historical records of this celebration, this is, this is what they describe happening. That people would go from house to house singing songs. 
they happen to be in the buff. Beyond that, they would consume, they would make and then consume human-shaped biscuits. Any, any of this, by the way, sounding familiar? Now, because the church, admittedly, and as they should have, disapproved of such celebrations. And since they also now wielded the power of the state, they had to deal with these celebrations, these pagan traditions. So, what happened? Pope Julius I, he chose to redefine the cause for such jubilee by proclaiming that Saturnalia's final day, which was December 25th, would now be the official celebration date for the birth of Jesus. Meaning that people could still enjoy their various customs, things like tying apples to tree branches or bringing evergreen trees into the home or going house to house to sing songs or even making human-shaped biscuits. All these things could still be adopted, but instead of celebrating the solstice, they would now be celebrating Christ's birth. It was this merger. Now, on a side note, while throughout history, this particular holiday would go by many different names, there seems to be ample evidence that by the year 1038, people had generally settled on December 25th being Christmas, a, a contraction of, of Christ's Mass. It's all derived from the Old English. Now, <laughs> this is what you can't miss. Even with there being zero evidence, zero, zip, zilch, nada, zero evidence of Jesus' birth actually occurring on December 25th, in order to combat these negative cultural influences, these pagan holidays, the Pope at the time literally invented the holiday no, we know as Christmas in a unilateral move merging the birth of Christ with these pagan practices. Now, here's the grand irony of what happened. The approach of Pope Julius yielded the opposite result. For centuries, you can study it historically, for centuries, Christmas celebrations were known not as quaint religious uh, type moments, but they were known to be rowdy. They had very little to do with, with Jesus. Most of the pagans celebrated Christmas. Like one historian actually describes, I've mentioned this already, but he actually describes ancient celebrations of Christmas being very similar to present day Mardi Gras in New Orleans, which, which explains why for much of church history, the biggest opponents of Christmas, Christmas celebrations, do you know where the, the, the biggest opposition to Christmas was? It was from Christians. Let me give you a few examples. When the Puritan Oliver Cromwell took over England in 1645, you know what he did? One of the first things he did? He made a vow to the people of England to rid their country of decadence by doing away with Christmas. When the pilgrims came to America, they were even more orthodox in their Puritan beliefs than Cromwell. To these now New Englanders, Jesus' birth was so sacred, they rejected the traditional celebration of Christmas altogether. The second governor, William Bradford, this is what he wrote, quote, I tried hard to stamp out pagan mockery of the observance of Christmas, penalizing any frivolity. In 1659, the court of Massachusetts even enacted a law making any observance of December 25th, other than a church service, an, an actual punishable offense. Like there are records of people being fined in Massachusetts, in the colonies, for hanging Christmas decorations. The truth, for the next 30 years, the celebration of Christmas was outlawed in the city of Boston. Anyone found exhibiting the, quote, Christmas spirit was fined five shillings. Th though it's true that some of the early American settlers celebrated Christmas anyway, after the Revolution, all English customs, which included 
Christmas completely fell out of favor. Like, don't miss this. It wouldn't be until the first half of the 1800s that Americans would celebrate Christmas again. For almost 100 to 150 years, Christmas was not celebrated in America. Which, which leads to the final point. If you look at the history of Christmas, there's no biblical mandate. It's not a biblical concept or festival. It's a progressive idea. The merging of pagan practices with religious ideas. But the truth, the truth is that as it pertains to the history of Christmas, Christmas as we know it has really become an American tradition. It's become an American tradition. Enter American author Washington Irving. Though most Americans had completely rejected Christmas, in 1819, Irving wrote a series of stories about the celebration of Christmas in an English manor house. These these sketches, they they were titled The Sketchbook of Jeffrey Crannon. The sketches featured a squire who would invite peasants into his home for the holiday, for Christmas. And in contrast to the growing social problems that were that were facing American society during the early 1800s, these two groups would mingle effortlessly. You see, th- this is what made Irving's approach really brilliant and why a lot of the perspective changed. He presented Christmas for, for one of the first times ever as being a peaceful, warm-hearted holiday. A time that brought harmony between social economic factions. You see, he subtly transitioned Christmas from being viewed as a a raucous holiday to it now being seen, at least in America, as a family-centered day of peace and nostalgia. (laughs) When we come back, another, another man takes it a step further. Enter English author, Charles Dickens. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on the Outlaw Radio Show. Thanks for listening to today's special Christmas edition of the Outlaw Radio Show with Pastor Zach Adams. We encourage you to check out outlawradio.org or search for us on Facebook and Twitter. And again, do join us for part two of today's special edition of the Outlaw Radio Show. Pastor Zach is talking about the history behind the Christmas celebration. Now, here's Pastor Zach with today's special edition of the Outlaw Radio Show. He's talking about the history behind the Christmas celebration. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. We're talking about Christmas from a really honest, an honest way. See, the truth, if, if, if you're being frank about things, is, is the Bible never mandates this thing called Christmas. Jesus never told his followers, hey, on December 25th, I want you to go out and cut an evergreen tree down. I want you to bring it into your house and put ornaments on it. And then I want you to give gifts to one another and drink eggnog. Like there was never, there was never a a mandated celebration. The the book of Acts doesn't mention any of this. The celebration of Jesus's birth. The Pauline epistles don't have a mention. The early church fathers don't write about it. Half the gospel records don't even uh, don't even record the birth of Jesus. Now, that's not to say it's not important, but it's that we should be honest. Like, if you really look at the history of Christmas, first, it's not a biblical idea. It's not mandated biblically. It's actually quite progressive. The merging of the church and the state, uh, the church now having to deal with these pagan celebrations around the winter solstice, they merge pagan customs with arbitrarily picking December 25th as Jesus's birth, which we know wasn't his birth, Pope Julius I. But the truth is that what we know today is Christmas. It's it's a relatively new idea, and a lot of people don't understand this. Like what we know, what we know of Christmas, what we imagine as Christmas, it is very American and very recent. It's an American tradition, and there have been several authors that have contributed to the development of this American tradition. In the last block, we we mentioned Washington Irving, but I left you off with with another man, 
an English author by the name of Charles Dickens. In 1843, Dickens, he continued this kind of organic reimagination of Christmas, the holiday of Christmas, not being a a raucous holiday, it always had been, but being kind of a a family-centered affair. He he continued this like reimagination by releasing a classic holiday story, a Christmas carol. The story's message of charity and goodwill towards all mankind, it struck a very powerful chord in the United States. As Americans began to to slowly embrace Christmas, seeing it really as as a perfect family holiday, which historically it had never, ever, ever been, old customs started to become unearthed and incorporated into this America Americana, this American idea. See, over the next 100 years, what's happening in America? Well, Christmas is kind of reemerging as a thing, coupled with the fact that immigrants from all over the world are flooding into America. You see, over the next 100 years, a country of immigrants, we would end up creating our own Christmas tradition by blending Religious ideas with old world traditions and legends. And let me give you just two very interesting examples as to how the American immigrant population ended up contributing to the formation of of our Christmas traditions. Have you ever wondered why in the world, like we put up a Christmas tree, like why we put a Christmas tree in our home and hang lights on it when that's never been part of the nativity. You have you have Mary and Joseph, you have the shepherds, you have the wise men, which by the way, the wise men weren't there, but neither here nor there. Like, but where does this Christmas tree come from? Well, the truth, you have German immigrants who came to America to thank for that. And historically, the first printed reference to a Christmas tree was in Germany, the year. 1531. <laughs> In actuality, you know the very first person we have recorded decorating a Christmas tree was the Protestant reformer Martin Luther. Legend states that Luther was so moved by the beauty of the stars shining between the branches of a fir tree that he cut the tree home. He brought the evergreen tree into his house and he decorated it with candles to share the image with his children. Initially, most 19th century Americans found the tradition, this German tradition of a Christmas tree, found it really odd, even pagan. But over time, the perspective in America began to transform. The first record that we have of a Christmas tree being put on display in America was by the German settlers of Pennsylvania in the year 1830. In the 1850s, Christmas trees were being sold for the first time commercially. President Franklin Pierce was the first American president to put a Christmas tree in the White House. The year? 1883. Aside from that, since candles being put onto a dead evergreen was dangerous, caused a lot of fires. In 1882, Thomas Edison and Edward Johnson invented what they called Christmas lights. 30 years later, the very first public display of a Christmas tree was erected in Times Square in New York City. In 1923, President Calvin Coolidge began what's today known as the National Christmas Tree Lighting Ceremony. It's held every year on the White House lawn. Ten years after that, the Rockefeller Center, their Christmas tree lighting ceremony, that tradition, it began in the 30s. Then in in 1966, the, the National Christmas Tree Association began providing an annual Christmas tree to the president and the first family. Like, this is all a really modern tradition. This is not a historic thing. It's uniquely American coming from Germans who live in America. 
Like, there's no doubt that in today's America, like a Christmas tree, it's an essential part of Christmas, right? It's, it's an essential part of our holiday decor. As a matter of fact, this year, it's estimated that an astounding 30 million people will buy a real Christmas tree with an additional 12 million purchasing artificial ones. At any time in America, 350 million future Christmas trees are growing on U.S. farms. But there's a second example of how American immigrant populations contributed to the formation of our unique Christmas traditions. And it's at this point that that I would encourage any, any parents that maybe have young kids to maybe turn the dial. You see, if it hadn't been for Dutch immigrants, the legend of Santa Claus would have never been introduced to American society. Historically, it's true. St. Nicholas was a Christian priest. He lived during the 4th century. The legend states that he was a rich man and he was known for his generosity. And in his generosity, that St. Nicholas didn't like to be seen giving gifts. According to lore, this is why children were told to go to sleep quickly. Why? Because St. Nick wouldn't come if he didn't have enough time. His gifts were given late into the night so his identity would remain a secret. The name Santa Claus is actually derived from the Dutch pronunciation of St. Nicholas or Sinterklaas. In 1804, the the New York Historical Society was founded with St. Nicholas as its patron saint. As such, its members adopted the Dutch practice of gift-giving around Christmas. Once again, enter Washington Irving. In 1809, the legend of St. Nick gained life when his book, A History of New York, pictured for the first time Santa riding into town on a horse. Three years after this, Irving revised his book to describe Nicholas riding over the trees in a wagon. In 1821, William Gilly printed a poem he titled Santa Claus. In it, he described St. Nick as being a man dressed in fur who drove a sleigh with a single reindeer. In 1822, Clement Moore wrote an account of a visit from St. Nicholas, in which Santa is portrayed as having a sleigh with now eight reindeer. The poem was later renamed The Night Before Christmas. In 1839, copyright, Robert L. May wrote a poem about Rudolph, the ninth reindeer, titled The Most Famous Reindeer of All. And in 1949, Johnny Marks penned the song, Rudolph, the Red-Nosed Reindeer. The song was recorded then by Gene Autry. And do you know Rudolph, the Red-Nosed Reindeer, is a bestseller? I'm running out out of time, running against a heartbreak. Don't go anywhere. I want to continue about the legend of Santa Claus and how it developed. One of the things we want to accomplish with Outlaw Radio is to challenge Christians to think critically, ask relevant questions, and then seek answers on their own. The sad truth is that there are many Christians walking around representing Jesus with literally no clue why they believe what they do. This is why, in addition to our show tackling the tough topics you might not hear on Sunday at church, We want to equip you, inspire you, and challenge you to study God's Word and wrestle with these challenging topics on your own. To aid you in this process, we want to share a resource we find incredibly valuable. Check out blueletterbible.org. In addition to a treasure trove of free commentaries, blueletterbible.org has an incredible word search function as well as the ability to dive into the original language behind a text. Basically, BlueLetterBible.org simplifies the process where you can study the Bible on your own. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. We're talking about Christmas. We're looking at it from an honest perspective. Not really a biblical mandate. It's not a biblical festival. Never told in the Bible to celebrate Jesus' birth. It's really a progressive idea, if you're being honest. The merging of religious ideas arbitrarily with pagan practices. And, And what we know as Christmas is largely an American phenomenon. This blending of, of, of immigrants and bringing traditions. Like, we've invented Christmas. It's kind of become our thing. Santa Claus is an easy example of this. If, if the Christmas tree was introduced by the Germans, Santa Claus was first introduced by the Dutch, but, but it has become um, kind of an Americana-type type thing, like truth, like Most people didn't know who in the world Santa Claus was 
by the early 1900s. Like if you study Santa Claus, it wasn't until the 1920s that the image of Santa was was standardized. That Santa was portrayed as a bearded, overweight man dressed in a red suit with white trim. The reality, Santa Claus wouldn't be a part of Christmas at all if it hadn't been for Coca-Cola. An illustrator for Coca-Cola decided in 1931 to include Santa in their Christmas advertisements. Like Christmas, Santa Claus, like we've invented so many of these things, these customs. Christmas is Americana. Americana is Christmas. Now, we've taken time. We've talked about Christmas. Alabama, 1836, the first state to declare Christmas a legal holiday. Wasn't until June 26, 1870 that Christmas was institutionalized throughout all of America. The early days of our founding, Christmas was seen as, as, as a, a holiday of debauchery and was rejected by Puritan Christians. But Christmas today is something totally different. And you end up with groups that 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 within Christian circles, we just go to extremes. Like you have you have people that that refuse to celebrate Christmas at all. They're like, so many of these these things are rooted back into paganism. And so uh, anything that doesn't center on Jesus' birth is just purely sacrilegious. And I can't believe that parents would dare include Santa Claus or reindeers or elves. And 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 it's just wrong to put a Christmas tree and and, and the and the lights. And you know, there are people that go to this extreme where they're like, because of the history of it all, we reject it. When the truth is that. That's just kind of a, like a, an, an undue, unnatural, inappropriate overreaction to something that, yeah, like Christ was never in Christmas. So why should you really be upset when Christ is removed from something he was never a part of? Like, like let me just simplify it this way. Here's a balanced approach. As an American, just enjoy Christmas for what it is. Like the Christmas season, it's amazing at how out of balance and crazy our lives can become. The hustle and the bustle in a season that's supposed to be filled by its very definition with merriment. <laughs> Statistically, it's in December. Alcohol consumption increases 40%. Heart-related deaths increase 5%. Murder rates in, around the Christmas season increase 4.2%. A third more incidents of domestic assault take place, ironically, on Christmas Day. Did you know January 8th is the busiest day of the year for lawyers when one in five couples will inquire about divorce following the pressures of Christmas? It's terrible. 18% of Americans agree with the statement, I dread Christmas. The sad thing is for many people, there's more pain associated with Christmas than there is joy. But why? It's a made-up holiday. Don't overdo it. Like, don't allow the hectic nature of Christmas to stress you out and to rob you of the merriment that a unique holiday like this is designed to provide. Like, it's sad that people allow Christmas to become a drag when it's supposed to be enjoyed. Like apple pie, Coca-Cola, baseball, jazz, non-religious Christian traditions. The truth, they've woven themselves into American society, meaning as long as they're not immoral, you can enjoy them even if their original origins were somehow pagan. It's American. Like, take the time this Christmas season to spend it with family and friends. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to get my wife under some mistletoe, see if I can get lucky. This Christmas season, give gifts, receive gifts, wear hideous sweaters, nativities, decorate a tree, hang Christmas lights, drink eggnog, Listen to good tunes, even bad tunes. Watch the movie Elf. Make gingerbread, man. And yes, you can even have fun with Santa Claus. Now, now let me say, if you do choose to incorporate St. Nick into your Christmas celebrations, hey, go for it. But I do want to ask you one quick question. Like, why can't you enjoy the tales of Santa and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer with your kids without peddling the notion that these things are actually real? That's what I've never really understand. Like, why does Santa Claus have to be real for the kids to still have a blast with him? I mean, think about it. Like, do your kids have to believe 
that the characters in the stories of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs or Cinderella or Star Wars or Frozen or the Lego Ninjago movie? Like, my boys are running around dressed up as ninjas. They're Jay and Lloyd. Like, they don't need to believe that any of these things are real for them to have enjoyment. Like, I don't understand why we can't take the same approach when it comes to Santa Claus. You know, the magic of Santa isn't the belief that he's real. What makes Santa Claus so engaging is that he engages the wonder of a child's imagination. Which, on a side note, I don't want to give credit to some some fat man that went down a chimney for the gifts that my kids had when I work really hard to earn a living to provide for them. But secondly, if you're an American, just enjoy Christmas for the Americana. But secondly, even in spite of everything that I just discussed, as a Christian, it's weird. Christmas still does give us an opportunity to prioritize Christ. Like, though it's a truth that Christ's birth was merged with pagan customs to produce Christmas, for the Christian, the season can still afford amazing opportunity not to rail against paganism or to tell little children that Santa isn't real. It gives you an opportunity to tell people about Jesus. You know, according to Lifeway Research, 63% of Americans agree that their Christmas should include a trip to church. That's, a, that's an amazing opportunity. Yeah, Jesus wasn't born in December. But that being said, December 25th still gives you and your family a wonderful moment to set aside some time and to reflect on Jesus' birth and the significant impact that should have on your life. That God gave this incredible gift to us, the gift of salvation by sending his son, and thus we can give gifts to one another to commemorate that. Let the nostalgia and the Americana be the Americana, but you still can take an opportunity to recognize what Jesus did. You know, in Isaiah 9, verse 6, we're told of a glorious reality. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son has been given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Friend, Christmas Christmas affords an incredible opportunity to celebrate the essence of God's amazing grace. It was because a son was given that a path for your salvation, for your salvation to be received, was formed. I I, I like how Charles Spurgeon really summed up Christmas. This is what the, the famed preacher said. He wrote, quote, We've We venture to assert that if there be any day in the year of which we may be pretty sure that it was not the day on which the Savior was born, it is December 25th. Regarding not the day, let us nevertheless give thanks to God for the gift of his dear Son. You can get all bent out of shape about all the the pagan practices and the pagan elements. Look at the religious ones. And don't rail on the pagan ones. You're not engaging in paganism. It's become an American thing, an American tradition. Over the next couple weeks as we lead up to Christmas, uh, we're going to do a series of Outlaw Radio uh, episodes dealing with the characters of Christmas, some of the environment of Christmas. But I just wanted to start out by talking a little bit of the history. Well, you've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. If you like what you heard, I want to encourage you to do two things. One, please contact your local station. Whatever station you happen, to, you happen to be listening to right now, call them. Tell them that you're thankful that they're carrying Outlaw Radio in your community. Secondly, go to our website, outlawradio.org. From the site, you can easily access our podcast, which is available on both iTunes and Google Play. You can listen again to this episode. You can share it in your network. You can listen to all previous episodes as well. Contact me, info at outlawradio.org. Twitter, Facebook, once again. I'm Zach Adams, and I hope you join me again this time next week for the Outlaw Radio Show. You've been listening to the one and only Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. As mentioned, if you like what you heard, be sure to connect with us on Facebook. 
Follow us on Twitter or check out our website by visiting outlawradio.org. To listen again to today's show, access our daily two-minute broadcast or full-length episodes, check out the Outlaw Radio podcast, available on both iTunes and Google Play. Once again, don't forget, we want to hear from you. If you have questions, want to challenge something that was said, or would like to submit topics you'd like to hear Zach discuss on air, you can either email us at info at outlawradio.org, or you can leave a voicemail at 678-883-3316. Finally, programs like Outlaw Radio are wonderful tools God can use to change lives. But as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. First, if you're not tithing to your local church, you need to do so. And yet, if God has laid it upon your heart to extend your generosity above and beyond your tithe, we'd ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Outlaw Radio. Every donation ensures this show remains on your local station. To learn how you can become a financial partner, please visit outlawradio.org. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you join us again next week for the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. Outlaw Radio is a ministry of Calvary 316 in partnership with his productions.